you sound like you're from London. That film's not set in London, but these top 10 movies are. Wow. I just, once again, no follow-up. Let's just get into this. This is the Movie Mount Rushmore podcast. He's still in shock. Hey, Spooners, how you doing? It's me, the one, AJ Anthony Jordan. All right, all right. It's me, too. Double V, Nico Luro in the house. <laughs> Guys, you know what? I, 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 It's not even sure why it took us so long. We've done three, film, three episodes of film set in LA. We've done film set in New York. We've done film set all over the place, but we've not done the hometown. So, yeah, here we are. We're doing... Disturbing London. Yeah, we are. <laughs> We're about to disturb London. That's exactly what we're doing. We're knocking on the good old LDN door and paying homage to our good old hometown. Yeah. So, Nico, before we get into it, would you like to tell everyone what the movie Mount Rushmore is all about? Yes. Basically, it is a top 10 show between two best friends from school. Here is how the show works. A, each of us get assigned a topic. Well, same topic, obviously. We get assigned a topic. We go our separate ways. We come back right here into the recording, into this beautiful podcast for you, our film family, and deliver to you in order our individual top 10 lists of this movie topic this week i will go first delivering my bottom three aj will then deliver his bottom three i will deliver my next two aj will deliver his next two and then when we get to our individual top fives we will trade one apiece if at any time while we are running off our individual list one person has a movie in a higher position that person will say punt and we will punt and talk about that movie when we get to the high position. Once we have both rounded off our individual top tens, we will create, in the voice of Chandler Bing, the movie Mount Rushmore. These are the four quintessential diverse must-see movies of the genre, which this week is... Top 10 movies set in London. Now, guys, once we create the movie Mount Rushmore, it gets even more challenger because the silver screen dude have to pick four. You, the screeners, have to pick one. El Capitan, El Numero Uno, the best of the best of the best, sir, with honours. And in to quote Highlander, in the end, there can be only one. And how do you crown the one? Well, you head on over to X. That's the one, not Wakanda forever. That's an X. And you head on over to at movie MT Rushmore, or more importantly, at movie Pulse for you, fronted by good old JT from We Love Movies. It's a retweet. So you only get one vote. And there you will see the four movies that we put into the Rushmore, and then you will crown the winner. Just like last week, where our topic was. Our topic was the top 10 movies about toys. And our contenders were. Our contenders for the Rushmore were Child's Play, Pinocchio, Small Soldiers, and Put the Cookie Down Now, Jingle All the Way. It was what? Oh, yeah. Mm, sorry, my bad. Oh, come on, get to the program. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. For some reason, I had Toy Story down, but we said exclusive. Oh. Yeah, okay. What is the first movie? Come on. In the fourth place, I'm going to go with the least popular, Small Soldiers. No. Ah. Okay. Pinocchio. Oh, come on. No. So you're going to say jingle all the way because you're keeping that accent the whole time. Good, good. You got it. You got it. Yeah, the third try lucky. <laughs> I'll stop now. <laughs> yes, jingle all the way. Six, yeah, my voice is correct. I can't do Arnold properly this week. 16%. Wow. Okay. Small soldiers in at number three. Oh, come on. No. Child's Play. 
Pinocchio. Yeah, <laughs> right. Ah. Pinocchio came in third with 24%. Because I keep doing this, I'm just going to spin it all on its head. Charles playing at number two. Yeah. <laughs> Big up Chip Hazard and the Commando Elite. Child's Play came in second with 27%. Small Soldiers got 33% of the votes, man. Wow. Didn't see it yeah. coming. Did really well. Did not see that um, coming. 4,522 in total. Nice. Yeah, right. Nice. Exactly. Trust me, I didn't see that shit coming either. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well done, Small Soldiers. Yes. Okay, let's move on. Over to you, sir. Your number 10. My number 10 of the top 10 movies set in London. Uh, I started with something which made me happy, made me smile, made me laugh. All the way back in 1955, I've gone with The Lady Killers, the original starring Alec Guinness and Peter Sellers. I believe you've seen the remake of this. I've seen the remake, yeah. I've not seen the original, so I'm actually quite intrigued. Do you know what? It is such a wonderful time capsule of what ye old London used to be like when the boomers were young. (laughs) (laughs) It's really quite a charming movie. Look, I'm sure the story is, I haven't seen the remake, but I'm sure the story is exactly the same. Little innocent old lady has, (laughs) has this room to rent and this group of, gentlemanly crooks move into her place and masqueraders musicians and and literally try and get her engrossed unbeknownst to her in picking up a package at the train station which is lots and lots and lots of money many many money okay so if it's slightly in the american version because they use the the fact that they're a band to dig a hole to, I believe, rob a bank or something near to where she's located. But none of that. Yeah. None of that. They literally use her uh, her naivety and her trusting and her, you know, good nature um, to, to help them pick up this package. However, it turns out this little old lady, it, I wouldn't call her a firecracker because that would mean, you know, she got spunk. I wouldn't say that. I'd say she's a disaster in a bottle. <laughs> Every single interaction she has ends in s housery. (laughs) Everything she touches seems to turn to. It's it's quite organic the way it unfolds too. The way that all of the villains kind of come to blows with each other. The way that they all sporadically start dying off because of their own mistakes but their mistakes are induced because of her involvement it's quite charming um and what made me really really happy so there's a one of the carry on movies called carry on cabby um which which didn't make the list because it's not set in london unfortunately um kenneth connor was a cabbie in this movie and i was like it feels like you're gonna be in a few years you're gonna be in carry on cabby and it had another character from the carry on movies as well one of the lesser known guys but it was like okay cool so this is kind of where you guys got your start that makes me smile so it was really like a blink and you'll miss it moment but it's like oh i know that face i've seen enough of the carry on movies to know you 
So it's, honestly, carry on aside. Cool. It's a really, really sweet, endearing movie. Um, and yeah, Alec Guinness and Peter Sellers together, man. They're just nice, nice. gold. It's gold. Um, all right, my number nine. I'm not going to spend too long on it. I wanted to put something else in. And disclaimer, we are going to do more than one top 10 London list just because there's so many great movies set in London. But for the first one, I had to bring this in. It's my favorite British rom-com. I had to do it. Love Actually. And uh, that uh, is a pun. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah. It is a pun. And at number eight. Let's go in the world of Stanley Kubrick, AJ. And let's talk about the Droogs with Andy McDowell. Malcolm McDowell, rather. And A Clockwork <laughs> Orange. Andy McDowell would have been a very different movie. Yeah. Big adventures of a young man whose principal interests are rape, ultraviolence, and Beethoven. So here's the thing. I wanted to catch this film again because the only time I've seen Clockwork Orange, I wasn't allowed to be watching Clockwork Orange. I was meant to be in bed and I saw it happen to be on Channel 5. Now, granted, I knew what I was speaking on to Channel 5 for and it wasn't Clockwork Orange. However, it happened to be Clockwork Orange yeah. that was on Channel 5. And it was still one of those things that every creep and sound that you heard that you thought was your parents getting out of bed meant pretend to turn off the TV and lay back down to sleep. So I haven't actually been able to watch this film properly and the volume was ever so low and I'm hearing the music and I can see the hypnotherapy, but I've not had a chance to really see what's taking place. So it's not on my list because I've not it's had a highly, highly disturbing movie about what happens to, I mean, I guess you would call them now in the modern day, Utes. You them, <laughs> but back before that term was changed, um, they were just called droogs. The droogs, the young teen delinquents who have a propensity for murdering homeless people, raping the rich to the sound of singing in the rain, and genuinely getting into trouble with the law to the degree that they need hypnotherapy. And it's got all sorts of interesting nar uh, social narrative about should you force someone into therapy against their will for the greater good? And th there's, a, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on here. But it is a very, very disturbing movie. It's not the sort of movie you want to watch more than once. But as a cinephile, definitely one that you need to see. And that was my number eight. Your number 10. You're right. My number 10, honestly, has no right being on a top 10 film set in London. Uh -huh. But it, there's no AJ on a pod if it wasn't for this film. Okay. And that's why it's here. Right. This is another hood. Now, why do I say there's no AJ if there wasn't another hood? Because I had the pleasure and the luck and the fortune to have been at a premiere for this film. I was even at the press junket the day before the film was released. I was meant to just be a gopher helping out a camera person and our presenter at the time couldn't make it. And I am given an opportunity. And with that opportunity, I recognize the stars and having the cinema knowledge that I had, but never having the confidence to take it out became a star. Linda Robson from Birds of a Feather was the first person I ever had a chance to interview and then became a career of a man holding a mic. And then the silver screen dudes have been in communication of, oh, you do this. I've been doing this one away. Let's do this. This is an idea. And with that, we are six seasons deep. So that's why this film is always going to have a forever soft spot for me. Um, 
it's the story of Adam Deacon, who plays a guy called Kenneth, who is the biggest wannabe you man then if you want it out there he uh, wants to be a rapper but he's nothing more than a mummy's boy and he's there and he works at a, a sweet shop and he's doing these stuff and it's 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 basically the british version of friday but not not as good you know it, you can see the tropes of friday of the the, the 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 local bully and everyone hiding from him and a group of guys just hanging out as opposed to just being two guys it's a group of guys and they're going around about their day and stuff like that but all the stuff you've seen in friday you'll see in there but in, told in a different way and it's just absolutely crazy. And it, it's called Another Hood based off of the fact that there's another film that I'm going to bring up that was very much a street hood movie, British hood movie. And, well, screw it, I'll get into it. There was a, tr it, it's become a trilogy. So it was like, there was this film, that film, now this is Another Hood. And that's why the name came up about what it was. It was great fun. The, the fact that I was able to get access to see a film at a premiere, not only go from the red carpet, once I finished that, they're like, do you guys want to see the film? I was like, you what? <laughs> it was just a, such a surreal moment that another hood will always get my love and respect. Like all those years ago, this is. Is it worth me. seeing? <laughs> For the benefits of just sitting back, and I'm not going to lie, my cousin had it on DVD or VHS and has watched it back to back, and he was a kid and just loved it, you know. But it was to appeal to that. It's not as grounded as the other films that it spoofed. But it's worth a laugh for what it was. It's very, I think it's very much a product of its time and you need to be familiar with a lot of the artists there because there are people in there like JME, Skepta's younger brother, being, Skepta being the biggest star. People from BBK are featured in there. Lethal B's in there. Ashley Waters plays a crackhead in there. So it's very much grounded in, in UK vibes. And if you knew your culture, like that, that culture, the grime scene, the garage scene, it's worth seeing. Richard Blackwood pops up in there. It's oh, got oh. the elements for people like, putting something on they definitely tried to put this film on and they showed that it's not all about guns and stabbings and there's another side you know the same sort of message friday done like put use your fist craig it, it's it's that it's it, it's decent but it's not groundbreaking you know in terms of you i will come up to it if, if you see if you get a chance to watch it it's been on netflix a few times catch it but yeah it's that in at number nine is a film I didn't believe I would enjoy. I know it's got a high rating out there, and everyone's like, go and watch it. Give it a shot. And I, I, I give it to you now. It's my mum who convinced me to do it, because my mum's not a big movie fan. And she called me one day. She says, have you seen Paddington? Paddington's great. actually really good fun. Right. I swear to you, I was, I didn't... Paddington as a cartoon is something I watched as a kid, but it didn't rock my world. You know, it had the very conservative voice. And so, yeah, so, oh, Mr. Thompson, yeah, so, I'll have a marmalade sandwich. And I'm like, Paddington was never on an adventure. He was just a bit of a small klutz who enjoyed a marmalade sandwich. How are you going to give me a film that's worth watching and enjoying, you know? That's what was always in the back of my head. Despite it's the cheating, fact that it Yeah. Despite the fact it has very high RT ratings. You know, at one point it was 100%. It's just beneath. I think it's like 99. It's nothing lower than 91 Crazy at the moment. good film. Yeah, but it's a good film. And, you know, it gave a backstory as to who Paddington is and how he came about to wanting to travel to London. And it's got a mad adventure. I was like, yo, this is actually really good. <laughs> this is why I say when people are like, oh, it's a kid's movie. Oh, it's an animation. Oh, I don't want to see it. No, 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 no. You can have really good fun with stuff that are past your age group. You may not be the target audience, but you can still have good fun with it. And that's what I had with Paddington. And I'm not going to lie, Paddington 2 was equally as fun. Like I was like... I much prefer part one. Part one is better, but you have good fun with two as well. Like, for a film, for a franchise I didn't think would work, 
it done something. One is better than two, but both films are good fun. Agreed. Yeah. So number eight. In at number eight, you brought this up the other day, and I was like, yeah, good point. Um, I can't remember what the film was. I know. Exactly. But it's John Connery's last movie. Yeah. And it is, again, great fun. And we, the silver screen dudes, are defenders of this movie. 100%. The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Hell like, yeah. If you appreciate storytelling and mythology, this film is for you. There's no reason for you not to do it because you just got a, a it, it's a universe movie. Before Avengers and all of that, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen gave you that thing of, oh, Mina Harkin. Oh, this one, Alan Quatermain. Oh, this, oh, that. All these characters are like, I know you from here. I know you from there. No! <laughs> the Invisible Man. What is going on here? How is this a thing? Why has no one else done this? You know what? Universal tried to do it, but it didn't work. This no. did work, though. This did work. I had great fun with this. It, it's just a mad adventure in old school London. Like, you know, it feels very Sherlock Holmes-esque era and whatnot. Yeah, it does. Like, okay, here we go. It's that Victorian time. And they've just got these mad... It's slightly into the steampunk in a way as well that kind of makes it have its own little genre. But everything about it just clicked. And I, I don't care. You will always have me wave a flag. This was a good film. Sean, you shouldn't have retired over it. Don't listen to the critics. You had a good film. No, nah, listen, I'm I'm a big defender of the fact that a critic's opinion is more is more valid than the average audience members based on the fact that it's more informed because they watch more movies. But there are times where I'm watching stuff and I'm like, you got this one wrong. Like, look, I'm I'm the biggest disser of Waterworld because it's it's it's, it's stupid, but it's fun. Waterworld was in no way whatsoever deserving of the critical slamming it got. I'm like, I'm sorry. If you can buy the fact that Vin Diesel goes to space with cars with duct tape on them, you can buy the fact that the polar ice caps have melted and people are on the water surviving, much the same way you can buy that there's this big universe of crazy, culturally classical heroes and villains from various books of literature. It's yeah. fun and it did not deserve the critical blasting it got. Why can't Alan Quartermain meet Van Helsing? Why is that so out of the question? Love that. And the Invisible Man, why not? So good. Phantom of the Opera, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Like, bring yeah, oh, I forgot. How can I forget Jekyll and Hyde? It was awesome. So good. Uh, my number seven. I thought this was going to be higher, you know, but there was two films I've seen, new films to me, and I'm not trapped in the... The hype train, yeah. The hype train, the adrenaline prison that genuinely pushed this down. But it's one of my favorite all-time horror films, John Landis's An American Werewolf in London. A horror comedy. So good. Genuine horror, because there are moments of pure creepiness in An American Werewolf in London, like genuinely quite scary. I remember you showing these to me. That's the thing. But I was just need to see the entire film before I can... Um, I'm going to say something unpopular here. I don't think it's the best werewolf movie. I think the best werewolf movie is a Scottish movie called Dog Soldiers. That film is great. So good. Seven Samurai meets werewolves. <laughs> there you go. Legit. It is Seven Samurai meets werewolves. So good. Um, but this is fantastic. One of the all-time great scenes of trans trans 
not even formation. Trans- Transmorphing? Transmorphing, we'll go with that. Um, it's late, I'm losing my words. <laughs> yeah, transmorphing of, of the character turning into the werewolf for the first time. Amazing effect. Looks dated, but still looks cool. Um, and it's got a really tight script, the way that the people who have died come back to haunt him as he's a werewolf. It's great. Like, there's, it's a fantastic slice of, like, British culture. Like, this movie. I adore an American werewolf in London. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. Uh, my number six. What is my number six? Ha! My number six. A movie which I have grown to love. I didn't like it the first time I saw it. But I have grown to really, really love it. Colin Firth and Jeffrey Rush, The King's Speech. Oh, of course, that is London. Of course, uh, it's London. Of course, it is. Yeah, powerful film. Really is right. Yeah, really, yeah. really good film. Stellar performances, man. Yeah, with Rush yeah. and Firth. Like I understand why Firth got got his his Oscar nom for this. Like. You know, stuttering king. Yeah. So good. Yeah. I saw this when we were doing films about monarchs. It's, it's, it's got power, man. It's got power in this film. It does, and a genuinely heartfelt, moving relationship between Rush and Colin Firth in this. Yeah. Really good period piece. Captures the period. You know, the 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 World War Two period, pre World War Two period, really, really, really well. Um. The top to bottom, the film is 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 pretty flawless. Twenty one forty nine. We're all good. We're all good. Um, yeah, nothing but good to say about this. Don't be put off by the fact that it's uh, you know a slow burn period piece. It's worth your time. This one. If you Do you know the sad thing about the King's Speech is you hear it and for some reason it, it kind of gives you this feel of I don't watch Downton Abbey and like, normally. Yeah, you know the these shows you get a feeling of that and stuff like the english patient you feel like you have to be a certain kind of person to appreciate this film a boomer I mean, uh, what a boomer possibly but i was gonna say stuck up prep but <laughs> it's like either way you, you know these pretentious people who just feel like oh yes this, this is quite an artistic film and of course it talks about the royal monarchy what must yeah. accept it yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Forget the used. It's all about the, you know, established queen and country, king and country. <laughs> you kind of feel like it's that kind of person you've got to be to appreciate this film. <laughs> Never been more wrong. Never been more wrong. And I'm very happy to have been proven wrong about it. it you know, when we were talking about um, real life monarchs, this this film topped it for me. I was like, this is actually really good. This is actually really good. So, you know, respect to everyone in there. Shockingly check good. It out. Don't let the title throw you off. Really don't, because it's genuinely about a movie of a man overcoming his traumas and overcoming his fears for the sake of land and country. Like, it, yeah. it's, it, you know, yeah. Dolce Decorum Est and all that. It's really good. Your yeah. number seven. My number seven, it, I think it's a bit of, not sympathy vote, but it's, it, it, it's because it was missed out when we done our top 10 classic Disney animated movies. And I, I was like... I, I remember this. I remember this as a kid, and I had a chance to watch it again on Disney Plus, and it just it just had to make the list. I am talking about the Great Mouse Detective. Yeah, good lad, bro. bro I, I, it's been an absolute age where I honestly did not. I remember for some reason I remember going through the Disney list, and for some reason in my head it was Basil the Great Mouse Detective, and I was like, yeah, his name is Basil, and that's all I remember. I couldn't remember a single thing about this film. Yeah, I, I, you know, Disney Plus download, and there it is. I'm watching it on the journey to work. And I was like, 
I'm actually connected. I've been, oh my God, I'm almost stopped. Damn. And I couldn't wait to get back and just finish this film. You know, it's, it's some brutal scenes in this movie. Yeah. Like, yeah. you gotta love that 80s pre Renaissance Disney where they went all dark. Like yeah. that scene with the bat hiding in the pram going, like, <laughs> what the hell? Or like Rattigan at the end when he's slashing Basil on Big Ben. It's like, Yo, this is it, it's got a little depth, isn't it? And it, it, even the whole tension of a young girl who hasn't got a mum and her dad's being kidnapped. Like, where's the grit in the cartoons nowadays? You know, and she's just in London looking for the great mouse detective. Like, you you feel her loneliness. You can. You, I don't know if it's. I've always, I've realized this. Kids' movies make me sympathetic. Like when a kid's in danger or something, it, that's where the, the, you get me all emotional. But she's just there, like, I'm looking for the mouse detective, and it's like. Oh, don't worry, young girl. I'll help you. I I don't know the mouse detective, but I do know Baker Street. And it's just, it's just madness. And it it it's 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 the pre it, it's the um, origin story of Holmes and Watson, but in mouse fashion. It, yeah. It's weird, but it is. It's that. And I love the part where you actually see actual Holmes and Watson without them ever being referenced. You see the live action shadows of them and it's like, it's there. And their common link is they both get on with the hound. It's so stupid, but it works at the same time. It's like, yeah. And it's the way he deducts stuff the exact same way Sherlock Holmes would. It was just a great yeah. detective story, but in animation and for mice. And as you said, it's got this edge to it as well. Yeah, that, cat, that freaking cat. Yeah. Do you remember yeah. when they're singing that song to rat again, the world's biggest rat? What did you say? <laughs> and he feeds him to the freaking cat. It's like, <laughs> what the hell am I? Oh, quite vicious. Yeah, you know, it, it's stuff that you don't expect from a cartoon. It felt older than it is in that sense. And this is the stuff we were introduced to. You know, when they're in disguise and they're like, I'm looking for a man called Rattigan and the way the whole spa goes silent and everything. I was just like, this is really good. Really good. I, yeah, I was really happy to be reintroduced to this. So, yeah, the great master detective. Fantastic movie. I'm glad you watched it. That was your seven, yeah? It was. My number six, as I said, another hood caught inspiration from this. And Adam Deacon was even a character in this. I went with the first because I didn't want to do the trilogy game that I did last time. I went with Kid Hood. Um, <laughs> but, it, you know, the, the Kid Hood is part of a trilogy called Kid Hood, Adulthood, then Brotherhood. And it is a story worth watching. Um, it's akin to, like, your Top Boy, but it's not as deep as Top Boy. And I don't want to get into the story, but it's... it's. If you want to ask what's a Hood movie, we talked about Hood movies before with, like, the U.S., this is as hood movie as you can get. It, it kicked off such a storm. There are stuff that came after it, but this trilogy that was developed by Noel Clark, who I know is a bit of a tainted name at the moment, is really good. It's, it just shows you what street life is. Very much like how um, Top Boy is, without getting into that deep part. It's, you know, you might have a little edge to you and something. You want to meet a girl. You start going on a date. You go to a house party, and then situations happen, and Noel Clark is that bully. Um, Trevor is his name, yeah, Trevor. It's just, uh, he is that guy who just feels like he's the bad man and you don't want to get into it. And then what happens when you step up to the bad guy? And honestly, I can't sell enough of what the trilogy does because you see what it means to be a bad man and then you find out what bad man consequences come and paying the price for being a bad man in the other two films. Um, it's a trilogy worth watching. I was really impressed. It's, you know, it's not the world's greatest actor because you don't have some of them the greatest actors in there, but it, it, it 
it gave something it gave people a platform to to start off of on to and it really it, it's reflective of a london i'm familiar with and it, it it made a movement that needs to be respected i i would highly highly encourage people to go and check the trilogy it's definitely one i still want to get my teeth into yeah. um but i just want to say i can't I'm not able to hear anyone say bad man without breaking out to, and don't F with John Cena, I'm a bad, bad man. <laughs> with a mighty man. Funny enough, you're going to love another hood then because there's a Frutella part and he, there's like, ah, oh, you think you're a big man or something? And then he takes out the fit. He goes, Frutella's a bad man, sweet. So you might want to watch him for that. I think he's going to put you into that. Frutella is a bad man, sweet. That's right. It is a bad boy. It's a bad man. It's great. Oh. <laughs> you remember when you told me about Magnum? Yes. <laughs> yeah. D uh, D Jovs pulled that out of the Limp Biscuit concert. I who here knows about Magnum? It's a hood drink, innit? Yeah, it's from Jamaica. Makes your hard. <laughs> I I know what that shit is. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I've not had a Magnum session, but I'm very aware. That it is meant to be a performance in Hansa while being a good drink at the same time. So, hey, yeah. I still don't buy that, but okay. Many people. But I've had women go, oh, after a magnet, that is a session. But um, again, we'll see. <laughs> that was your six, yeah? It was, yeah. Over to you, sir. All right, on top five, we trade one apiece. And in the number five is one of my new ones. AJ, it's on YouTube, this film make this a must-watch priority. A very, very young David Thewlis, a.k.a. Remus Lupin. Um, and Hades. Young. Huh? And Hades. And, and yeah, not Hades, Ares. Ares, um, yeah. But yes, and Ares. A very young, pre-famed David Thewlis in a movie called Naked. Okay. Okay. So, David, now, the movie is purposefully vague david Thewlis shows up the movie literally opens with him raping someone and that's the opening shot of rape happening and then him running away and he runs off to london and goes and meets up with a friend and through some very 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 clever dialogue you find out that him and this friend used to date but then he and her roommate and the way that he he, he essentially has this pent-up anger with the world. And you kind of work out the world has wronged him in the same way that the world wrongs everyone. Like, this isn't something exceptional that's happened to him. Everyone gets wronged daily, right? He's taking it personally. And his way of manifesting that, unlike what the droogs do in A Clockwork Orange, which is rape and ultraviolence, in his case... It's rape and hyper-intelligence. So he goes on and attacks people here intellectually. It's, it's, all, it's, all, it's almost like an odyssey of anger. It's this Mancunian's odyssey of anger that he takes out on a night of rage in London. Every single individual he comes into contact with is an individual who you could... You, who, who we've all seen every day, but these individuals who are kind of like London's hidden backup dancers, you know, the people who glue on the papers, uh, the, the, the posters in places like Shoreditch, 
the guys who are security guards on buildings that are essentially empty. Um, the people who are working cafes that don't have anyone in them. Those types of people. He kind of attacks their vulnerability and chooses to break them intellectually. And it is, when I say some of the best script and acting I have maybe seen ever, like this is Thulis's career performance. This is to David Thulis what Bronson was to Tom Hardy. I'm intrigued by this. It's incredible. He actually manages to... He, he's talking to us. I won't, I'm not capable of going into the exact monologue, but he manages to mix capitalism, barcodes, theology, and 666, the number of the beast, and explain the connecting tissue between all of them and explain how that means the end of the world, but not a literal end, a metaphorical and cerebral end. And by explaining it, he destroys this guy's perception of himself. And it's like, uh, like true. monologue, you actually find yourself rewinding, not because it's so intelligent that you can't follow, but because it's so engrossing, you're like, I need to hear that again. Nice. Nice. Incredible film. Proper indie, like zero budget. Okay. Okay. Naked. Check it out. Available on YouTube. Nice. Nice. I've had a film that I thought was on YouTube that I realized was well, the wrong film. It really messed me up actually <laughs> this week. Yeah. Okay. Naked. My number five. Available on Disney Plus. And I was really upset I didn't get to catch this in the cinema last year. It's got your yeah. boy Sam Rockwell. Yeah. See how they run. Didn't get around to it, unfortunately. Um, this I didn't I just saw it as a who done it. Bro, when I tell you the levels of meta that comes into this. Oh, really? It's cool because it's actually based on the London West End Theatre and the Mousetrap play. So while at the Mousetrap play, right, which is a whodunit anyway, yeah. right, you've got Adrian Brody as a character who's the narrator to this point. And this is what's really cool, right? He's narrating what it means to be. And he, he goes through the tropes. So it's got kind of like a, a noir element to it, but you don't have a fan fatale. So it doesn't, but it feels like a noir. And he's giving you this whole backstory of, well, someone's about to be killed. And when these people are killed, it's always the unpopular, hateful person who's killed. And then you start to wonder who who is what have you. And you start to see this part and you see him in conversations with people and you realize he's an American film producer who wants to take this film um, th th this play and create it into a film and then you see him falling out with a few people he goes he falls he gets pushed into this table and like into a cake and he's completely ruined and he goes backstage into the room to get changed into the costume design and then the person dressed up like the inspector that was going through the play he's actually looking at that costume and someone else has got the same costume on ends up killing him and he goes well there you have it I'm the annoying person that always gets killed in these movies. And then the film starts. So now you've got a murder that's happened on set of a murder. And they've put him on the chair where the main character gets killed. And now Sam Rockwell is this detective trying to find out who has killed him. And you've got all the actors and their different reasons, very much like your Inspector Calls and all other films that is a whodunit, of what is your purpose and what link you had to the character and X, Y, Z. And he's, yeah. he's paired up with this bumbling cop in between it. And it gets even better that you find out, and I, it's not a spoiler, 
this is just something that happens. It's near the end, but it's in there. Not only did it involve Agatha Christie, who is the writer of this, but you find out that this film was an inspiration of a true life story. They involve that into it, that you're like, what is going on? It was all kinds of awesome. And I must admit, I do have a soft spot for whodunits. And the more I was watching this film, I was like, this is actually really interesting. It's actually pretty fun. I, the, the, the way it had those levels of meta, I was like, this is cool. This is cool. Okay. It, it's worth a watch. And it's on Disney+. Plus. It's just available. I need to check that out. Yeah. Your number four. My number four. Um, from Guy Ritchie. I have gone with uh, one of his more recent ones. I've gone with okay. The Gentleman. This I was tempted. I was tempted. Uh, I don't give a fuck that I've got more than Guy. I do not give a rat's behind that I have got more than one Guy Ritchie movie on here. Don't care. My list, my rules. Gentlemen. I feel people overlooked because Guy Ritchie had done a few mm, subpar movies prior to this. This is such a return to form. I mean, yeah, he did do some stinkers before this. He did that awful King Arthur movie before this. That was truly dreadful. But this was such a return to form, a return to the type of substance that made him such a household name. And it is so close to the movie that's ultimately both going to be our number one. Um, it is so close for me in quality to that. Like it perfectly captured London. The acting is stellar. The script writing is sharp. Sharp. The story is so engaging. I do see it as our number one with a budget. That's exactly how I see the the, the gentleman. It's like he made yes. money. And he can do stuff. He could be a bit more adventurous. It's got, but it's got the same beat. It does definitely have the same beat. Yes, yeah. I love it. And what a turn from Hugh Grant as the slimy reporter. Uh, I still yeah. remember being next to you in the cinema, tapping you on the elbow and going, "Hugh Grant." You went, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. No, gentlemen, absolute must see. Available on Amazon Prime. Check it out if you haven't already. Cannot stress enough. If you like Guy Ritchie or Quentin Tarantino, you will love this film. I had good fun with this. It was a lockdown movie for me. I watched it during lockdown, and um, just for reference, that he showed me, he tapped me on the, on the, he tapped me while we saw a trailer, not the film. <laughs> but yeah, it was yeah, great yeah, fun. right, great fun. yeah. Because like it was a lockdown movie for me, like huh? But you said it in the cinema, no, it was yeah, but great fun. It's definitely worth a watch. Most definitely. Your number four. My number four, bear with me a second because I realised it didn't upload earlier. It's the punt from earlier. Love Actually. Um, Christmas love Actually. Around me. <laughs> love Actually is one of these weird films that I always feel that I either rank it too low or I leave it off. And then yeah. I watch it and it reminds me just who the F it is. That's what I always find with Love Actually. I, yeah. You know, there are other rom-coms based in London that I thought would get the bat. Some feature yeah, Hugh Grant. Actually, they both feature Hugh Grant, and I thought they would make the list. You know, yeah, um, it, it's what it is. But I just remember that every time I watch this film, the different beats, and as I keep saying, the so question funny. that you're asked, "What is love?" Well, love actually is, and this film shows you what love is in every different form. And this is what I appreciate about this film. Um, I'm not also going to lie. Kira Knightley is smoking hot in this film. And that also is a <laughs> great moment for me. Just seeing her. I'm a bit like the guy recorded her. 
I see her coming down as the bride. And I'm like, I can rewind that again and again. But let's not be creepy. Let's not be those people putting people on a pedestal. Um, take that away. There are just so many different stories. So many different stories and appreciation for people in so many different ways. And there's one thing Hugh Grant says in that film about what he pictures when he wants to be happy. And it's just picturing people at the, at the arrivals terminal. In yeah. And that's the opening to the film. And as much as you're like, that's a bit weird and there is a montage there. The ending just reflects it so much that you're just like, yeah, you're right. It's not yeah. something that I think of, oh, I'm upset. Think of the airport, think of the airport. It's never been that for me. Do you know what I mean? But it's so beautifully shown in this film. Yeah. It, and again, again, it shows the different levels of love. It could be a friendship. It could be just general appreciation between a work colleague. It could be actual love. It could be father, son. It could be the it one be that lust. got away. Come again? It can even be lust. Yeah. Just everything. It's it, it just breaks it down in every different angle. And you're just like, well done. Well done. And that's why I, I, these are this props. I was like, if I'm going to pick a rom-com today, you get, you get this. Yeah, it's my all-time favorite rom-com. I don't care. I don't, I, 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 people love to be cynical and pull it apart. I say get a life and get a love because this, this film is lovely. It's genuinely yeah. a lovely movie. Um, That was your four, yeah? Yeah. All right, my three, another new one. Some people say this is the greatest British gangster film ever made. Mm. Still say that accolade belongs to our number one, but this was amazing. AJ. This was incredible. It was an AJ vision job. Um, Bob Hoskins in the lead role. Why do I feel like I've heard about this? Yeah, I saw this and I said I wanted to watch it. Oh, I, I googled it in the name and I was like, "This looks like something I need to give a oh, dude. I need to give time to." Oh, dude, the story sounded amazing. The story is amazing. The it's story... the Long Good Friday for anyone on pod. Sorry. Yeah, the Long Good Friday. The story absolutely is amazing. So it opens with this, you know, almost silent scene of someone taking money from a briefcase from a deal, which they shouldn't be taking money from, getting found out and getting killed. And what the movie does so well, because this this opening scene is so integral for the main plot of the movie, but the movie makes you kind of almost forget about that opening scene. You get flashes of it now and then, and, like, and you're kind of wondering, like, how does this all tie in to the main thing that's happening? And then when it all comes together at the end, you're like, oh, nice. This is very good. So Bob Hoskins plays kind of like, the big head honcho of a, of a gangster corporation um, of a big family, but he's never dealt in narcotics. He's never dealt in human trafficking. He's always been, you know, when, 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 you know, gangsters say I'm a businessman, legitimately he is a businessman. Um, albeit a very, very powerful one who kills people now and then. Um, very rough, very violent, this film. Um, Great Cockney, Cockney lingo in here. Um, there's a I won't ruin it for you, but there's a particular scene at the end where he goes, where he has a, should we say, a promo, a shoot promo with the American mafia. And there's lines that he drops on them that you kind of go, I don't care that you're a bad guy. Rule Britannia, bro, for that one. That I like. Go on, mate. And he sticks it to the US mafia, and you're like, this is gold. 
But essentially what happens is while he's trying to make a deal with the US mafia who are going to come in and support him and take his business up to the next level, all of these weird, unexplainable attacks and murders start happening on various high profile members of his crew from, you know, knifings in in uh, in swimming pools to to car bombs outside of churches even to a, a dirty bomb in one of his own restaurants that was clearly aimed at him. And he's scratching his head going, who is trying to knock me off? I'm here trying to do business with these American gang stars, and it looks like I don't have control over my own city. They're going to pull out, so I have to fix this quickly. But he's talking to everyone. No one knows who is responsible for these attacks. So the big thing about the movie is, who is responsible for these attacks? How is it linked to that opening scene? And when it all comes together, you're like, oh, this is so good. <laughs> it's just genius. And by the way, a pre-fame Pierce Brosnan also makes an appearance in this. Nice. It's, nice. He's in it for two scenes. He doesn't say a single line of dialogue. Um, you just look at him one moment. And you're, like, you're young, but I swear that's Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> and then... He's not even credited as the credits are rolling. I had to go on to a deep dive on IMDb and I was like, it is Piss Brosnan. Nice, nice, nice. But it's, it, yeah, there, there's a lot of actors in here who kind of got their start from this movie, like famous British actors. Yes. Um, it, it's, it, dude, it's incredible. No, it's on my list. That one is definitely on the radar. Naked, I hadn't heard of Long Good Friday. I was, yeah, it was, yeah, I'm really, yeah. I, I just love the premise of what I read. You just sold it to me even more. Your number three. My number three. Funny enough, it wouldn't have been on the list had you not reminded me of it last week. Uh, Stephen yeah. Graham. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Sorry. Boiling point. I didn't get a chance. I'm really angry. Bro, it's fine. It's fine. It's it, it. As I said, I I think it's to be appreciated by everyone. If you ever worked in the hospitality industry, it, it's your life in front of you. It's health inspectors. It's it's, the, it's a busy night in a restaurant. And everything that could go wrong goes wrong. You see him trying to be a good dad, but not being able to leave the restaurant and, you know, broken promises to his ex-wife about coming to pick up his son. And hopefully the son will understand. It's dealing with incompetent staff members who are making mistakes and going off on breaks when they shouldn't be. It's stuff like overseeing a nut allergy when someone's doing it and seeing them hyperventilating. It's panic attacks. It's just all of this in one fell swoop. It's customers dealing with waiters, waiters dealing with customers in a way of, I can't believe that. And then, you know, smiling in their face and just turning that corner and being like, I can't stand this person. Laughing with the bartender and then going off to the kitchen to talk and be like, can we please make sure we get this right? Oh, it's a birthday. The chef having a go at you, but you still try to do your job. And the interpersonal relationships that happen in between all of that, it's absolutely amazing. And what makes it even better? The film is sold to you in one shot. In one, oh, wow. like one shot movie. It just bounces through and interconnects so much in between and it's just this madness that it's not only his personal life but his professional life because while all of this is happening a health inspector comes to visit as well health and safety inspector and you're again I, i've been and i always remember what made it so surreal to me i had watched that film the next day i had a health and safety audit and i might be in line for one tomorrow so i really hope it doesn't happen again <laughs> um, it's just so surreal and mad how this film like can relate but you will still appreciate it as someone who hasn't been in that industry because it's just the way you deal with people and you'll see it from a different angle like 
oh, so when I did make that complaint and was polite about it and they smiled, is that what they done to me? Is that how they felt about me? Did they really roll their eyes? And, you know, it's all these stories and you got the, the ever camp bartender who's talking about his boyfriend and still chatting up the lady. You know that that connection between these camp gay guys and the ladies out for a good party. So I'm like, ah, you're right, ladies, my fella does this. It's just amazing. It gives you every angle. It gives you highs. It gives you lows. It gives you woes. And it has this ending that goes, oh, is that, uh, it's, yeah, it, it, it's got everything great. And it was so amazing because later on I found, I always thought Stephen Graham was from London. This film, he's is the true scouser that he is. And it just, it was, it, it threw me off at first, but I just appreciated him for just being him and so raw in this. It, it's like a Gordon Ramsay-esque chef, but not that deep. Yeah, he's just trying to be a man, trying to get it right. you got to love it. I like it. it. Yeah. So my number two, yeah? Yes, please, sir. My second Guy Ritchie movie, Don't Care. I'm bringing Guy Ritchie on because I don't think anyone makes movies that are more London than Guy Ritchie. My second movie, Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels. I was tempted. I was tempted with both of those. Lockstock was definitely... I thought it was going to be my number two at first, if I'm honest, but I left it. I, look, I get the reasoning of why you're bringing so much Guy Ritchie. I don't care who directed no. it. I just care how good the London film is. And it is a freaking cracker. A cracker of a film. So good. Really, really great story. For those of you who haven't seen it, it's about these four kind of wastrels, I guess you would say, like kind of guys who are life's perennial losers, albeit one of them, you know, one of them's a kind of semi-okay chef. One of them's a, a, you know, one of those pawn shoppers on the street, Jason Statham. One of them just has the gift of gab, and one of them happens to be very, very gifted at poker. But he's overconfident with how gifted at poker he is. He goes to play poker at a table run by a guy called Hatchet Harry. Oh, speaking of which, Hatchet Harry, the actor who plays him, yeah, he's one of the right-hand men in uh, Long The Long Good Friday. Nice. So I saw him, I was like, Hatchet! <laughs> <laughs> so he goes to this poker game. He gets cheated at this poker game. Now he's in debt. Big debt. And he's only got X amount of days to pay it off. And the movie is how he manages to not only pay it off, but through means both in and out of his control with his circle of idiot friends, he manages to seemingly annoy every single small-time gang star in London. And they all end up going after him and his gang of goons. And you've got things like, Christ of shotguns, scousers, scary bishops, pornographers, and even Vinnie Jones beating someone up in a sunbed. Everything, everything. Sting. And by the way, it is a lovely tan. <laughs> Sting as Sting. the dad and pub landlord doesn't make sense but works but do you know one of the things i love about lockstock that I, I, I i'm not one to talk camera shots or what have you but when the overconfidence hits him that you could no matter how confident you are you can still lose when it dawns on him and that shot around him with the massive attack music behind it beauty beautiful filming by guy Ritchie, absolutely gorgeous yeah and for anyone who's heard bound for the real life ah oh, I've been shot. Will everyone stop getting shot? That's from this film. <laughs> I don't believe this. Could everyone stop getting shot? He shot me again. 
<laughs> shooting back. <laughs> Absolutely crazy. But then but all of a sudden, it goes from being super comedic to being super brutal. Right, you lot up there, come on down, or your friend loses his toes. No, <laughs> there goes his toes, and then it just cuts to a wide, and there's this pool of blood around the guy's foot, and it's like, oh, you actually did it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's one of these movies. I'm yeah. laughing and I'm scared at the same time. That's the thing about Guy Ritchie. It, it sounds like the stuff that people do as a threat but won't actually carry through. You see what happens when you meet the kind of psycho who will carry through on it. it it's it's nuts, but it works. He does tell that story really well. Yeah, he really, really does. Um, all right, your number two. My number two is one of those favourites. I wasn't sure if it was going to be number two, but it's a great one. Good old Christopher Nolan, The Prestige. Is this in London? Just, yeah. Yeah, I, I even had to double check, and but it's that it's it, it's all taking place in London. I remember a lot of forests, which kind of threw me off. I but thought it was it, Switzerland when he goes and meets Nikola Tesla to get the the cloning machine. Does, but I think he comes back to London. Like the the whole stage that they're set on and where they meet and everything is in London. No kidding. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Oh, more you know. Yeah, there you go. Even I, I was a bit hazy because the prestige has been a while, but it's. You know, for anyone who's ever appreciated magic, this film is just everything for you. I feel like it's just there. You know, everyone talks about, you know, that back in the day, if you ever watched ITV, there was that show with the masked magician who reveals the secrets of what happens with magic. Hey, I remember that show. Yeah, and it's funny enough, they had a wrestling one as well, which is kind of cool. But <laughs> like going back to it, it showed the reveal of magic. And it, this one kind of pulls back the curtain on that. And it's like when you have to up the ante. So it gets a bit surreal in well we everyone knows how to pull off these tricks but what can i do to be the greatest ma magician how can i outdo houdini and this is what i like is that the fact that they they've grounded it in reality you've got nikola tesla you've got harry houdini you've got all these elements of real people and you're like okay oh so that that disappearing act that this oh is that how they done it it becomes it, the, the reality becomes unreal but it's beautiful in the same time you know, and it, it, it's so weird how this film, you know, this is just after Hugh Jackman has made himself Wolverine. This is right after Christian Bale has been Batman. And you're like, how is it that, you know, it feels weird that you're watching these guys and they, they've, they've shed, they've cast away those characters that you can't link them to. And they've become these two magicians who are first of all friends and then just become at war to, of one-upsmanship. And it just becomes such a great story. Love it. I just loved everything about it. How far would you go to succeed? <laughs> exactly. Um, I don't have a worse this week, mate, do you? Well, you said it to me last week, and I'm sure you will agree with me, because hands down, it just is terrible. It, it's loved by many, but it's hated by the silver screen dudes. Yes. Yes. Like, it, I, I'm not going to drag on it, because we, there's no need to. It's comedy that neither of us have failed to understand. It, it's a spoof of a horror movie which worked, and I'm always skeptical about zombie movies anyway. And this one just from beginning to end, I I, I think for me it's fake hype. It, it, it's false hope because I come in with this hype that everyone's like, "Have you seen Shaun the Dead? It's amazing! It's really funny!" And I what? sit there going, "What is really funny?" That's what happened. You know, all, and these are the times when it wasn't like you have all the streaming services. So you were going to watch every advert and everything makes you think that this film is absolutely amazing. Short of the Dead, out now. And you're like, okay, right, let's get it. Got the DVD. And I was like, what is this? What is this? Short of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, 
And no, I didn't even receive the rest of them. It's just those actually made me very hot fuzz. I thought was okay, but Shaun of the Dead, I had no time for Shaun of the Dead. And Hot Fuzz said to me, I can't watch a Simon Pegg movie. I was upset that I saw Simon Pegg in a Mission Impossible film. He actually does really good in those films, and I actually quite like Simon Pegg as an actor. But those films, Add Baby Edgar Wright movies, Add Baby that list, and it tells me you can't watch an Edgar Wright movie. Yeah, that's the thing. Edgar I'm, Wright I'm is an issue. I'm not big on Edgar Wright. Yeah, Edgar Wright is an issue. I I can't really. It again, it's fake hype. He was late late last night in Soho as well, right? Late night, so that was one of. I'm sure that's. I haven't movie. seen that. That's a you film. That one I had respect for, but again, I still feel that the ending was kind of crappy. <laughs> so, I, uh, it's not a film, a film I've seen twice, but again, it had full hope. Everyone made it better than it was. It right. starts off really good and it starts to dwindle. It doesn't work. It just doesn't work for me. Hmm. Okay. Well, a joint number one then. Take it away. Yeah. There's no. There is no. Well, it's your turn. But yeah. Okay. Let's Three, go for it. Two. One. Snatch. Snatch. Yeah. Here's my poster. Yeah. Here's my poster. <laughs> there you go. It's just a movie of the year. That That's all that could be said about it. There is nothing, I, I, you know, I had heard about Guy Richard. I heard about Lockstock, but I was too young to have seen Lockstock. And Snatch, I was just about old enough to watch. And it just happened to have caught my attention first. That VHS reached me before Lockstock did. That's just the way of it. You know, and I remember seeing it. And some people are like, is it a sequel? And you could think so because Jason Statham's there, but he's a completely different character. Completely. It's similar but different. And it just becomes one of the maddest movies. Like, Snatch is a heist movie for all intents and purposes. It's a yes, diamond line sure. that's gone on. But the twists and turns that happen in this film, very similar to Lockstock. You just think, now, oh, do you know what, what this is similar to in terms of its beats? This is the British pulp fiction. Yeah, as well. It is that, yeah. Think about it. It's got a big, scary boss. But yeah. it, um, it's got a big, scary boss here. Marcellus Wallace and Bricktop, yeah. Marcellus Wallace and Bricktop. You've got a kind of terrifying but lovable henchman, John Travolta, Bullet Tooth Tony. You've got the boxer, Irish Mickey. Bruce Willis. There's some similarities that are happening here, and they're not by chance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, it, it's pop fiction, but different. And this is what I love about it. In the other case, it's the briefcase. Like, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Guy Ritchie saw Pulp Fiction was like, let's put an accent on that. <laughs> he did, but he, do you know what? As much as you say that, he was still able to create. He's, you know, for one thing about Tarantino was. The, the, the dialogue and monologues. Quint, um, Guy Ritchie gave some dialogue as well. There are lines that you will always remember from... What do I know about caravans? Well, you spent the summer in one. It means you know more What's than that? me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what? again, one of my closest lines. Like, I always love it. Tyrone, the guy who you would not believe to be. Oh, the, the black driver. Like, Tyrone. So good. Why don't you, why, why don't you park there? Too, Too tight. tight. And it's the biggest gap you could ever see between two vehicles. Too tight, Tyrone. You could fit a jumbo in jet in there. <laughs> Too tight. My favorite is when he's squeaking his way out the car. I thought you said he was a getaway driver. What the flub could he get away from? <laughs> Don't you worry about Tyrone. He can move when he needs. You just worry about getting us a gun. And what may <laughs> I ask is that? You know, that whole thing. 
This is a shotgun, soul. It's a flubbing anti-aircraft rifle, Vincent. <laughs> what am I watching? But you're trying to convince me that Tyrone is that guy. What happens in the pot? He reversed. Tyrone, why did you hit that? I didn't see it. You didn't see it. You were reversing. When reversing, things come from behind. <laughs> it was at a funny angle. <laughs> All bets are off. Keep that dog from drooling on my seats. Your seats, Tyrone, this is a stolen car, mate. When I'm at the wheel, it's my car. So keep that dog's jewels off my seats. Give me all the money. All bets are off. I don't care. Give me all the money. Here to make a flubbing bet. <laughs> That's interesting, but all bets are off. All bets are off means there's no money. I'm not buying that. You're not buying that. That's good because I'm not selling it. <laughs> Such golden lines. Blimey, Turkish, your girlfriend got a voice. Ah, oh, there's too oh, many. Oh, so good. Oh, put a leash on her, Turkish, before she gets hurt. And you don't want to get hurt now, do you, boy? So good. And, you know, you talk about monologues. Vinnie Jones, given the, the definition of what your gun says versus what my gun says. Oh. Gold. Gold. Absolute gold. That scene. So that scene is the equivalent of that uh, diner scene in Pulp Fiction with, with the wallet saying, my one says bad mother flubber. Yeah. yeah. It's literally the same thing. Yeah. Like a prick. You're shrinking, and your two little mincy balls are shrinking with you. The fact that the side of your gun says replica. <laughs> Boris the Blade, as in Boris the Bullet Dodger. Why do they call him the Bullet Dodger? Because he dodges bullets. <laughs> Abby, shut up and sit down, you big bald flub. I don't like leaving my country, Doug, and I certainly don't like leaving them for anything less than white sandy beaches and those little drinks with parasols you put in them. We've got sandy beaches. Who the flub wants to see them? <laughs> You've got to love it. There is so much gold in it. Honestly, I keep saying it. Infinitely recitable. And yeah. really clever with the way it's directed, too. Case yeah. in point, when the three of them are all driving on that road, but they're not aware that they're all on the same road, one of them throws the milk out. That causes the next one to crash, which causes <laughs> Boris to get out the car, which causes the next one to run him over. But you're all seeing it in a non-chronological format, and it's when it all comes to the comes together violently at the end. You're like, Oh, that was brilliant. Yeah, it's, it's gold. It's absolute gold. Absolute gold. And we need to talk about Brad Pitt. Yes, of course. And do you know what? It's funny that this is the first time I have talked about Snatch and not kicked it off with Brad Pitt. You know, as the Irish traveller, I'm not going to use the P word. It gave birth to the P word as far as I'm concerned. I was not familiar with that right. word before. The film. Right. And, you know, it was everything of the traveller and the schemes that happen within the traveller community. I'm not brandishing. It's just the fact that it's out there. I've, yeah, you know, people aren't cautious of travellers for no reason. And I'm not dissing the community. I have spoken nope, to people. The movie is. Hmm? No, but the movie is. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But it, it just plays up to stereotypes that they're fully aware. I know travellers who admit, don't trust us. That, that's they, they tell you. We know how to game. Like, it is what it is. They will play you like a fiddle. And that's what it is. And it's just him playing this bare-knuckle boxer 
who will do anything for his ma. For who? His ma! <laughs> yeah, could have been blue here, mate. Um, but yeah, the cool thing with the lurchers, that was a beautiful shot. That was a beautiful scene. But then the choice of music, you know, when he when he knocked gorgeous George out, like spark out. You're not going anywhere, you titwamp. <laughs> and it's the sound that they're like <clears throat> that yeah. horrible jaw-breaking sound that this is so Guy Ritchie. Violent scene followed by Golden Brown. <laughs> it's like, wow. And it's funny how, now that you mentioned that, with that jaw crunching, how he used that technique from Snatch and puts it into Sherlock Holmes with um, yeah. Robert Downey Jr. later on. Like, yeah, it's, it's gold. Yeah. I love Guy Ritchie. I really do. When he's on form, man, he's on form. Right, Rushmore. Well, Snatch. Love Actually and Snatch are definitely in there. They both one was a punt. Well, they're both yeah, joint number one and punt, so they they're in there. I would very much like the Long Good Friday to be on there. I'm not entirely opposed, to be honest. Um, there's not a reason for me to to go against it. Um, short of it being like two actions, but who cares, really? Um, I'm just going to go through my list because it's weird that I can't see. I would love to go down the route of another hood, but I don't know if it will get the love that it deserves. Um, see how they run. I don't know how much people have seen it. Mm. There's a part of me, but I know it just gets slaughtered. But I feel like I'd, I'm intrigued to see what people see about a League of Extraordinary Gentlemen on a public platform. Like, oh, Jesus. It doesn't get the hate. Then the other one is just the bait, obvious prestige. Like it's a Nolan, like, it makes it a contender. Prestige or an American werewolf in London? As I said, I've seen the scenes that you've shown me, but I've not seen the film. That's what throws me with that. I was about to say, I worry the prestige would clean up, but I don't know how it would fare against Snatch. Especially as a London movie. You know what people are like online. They just see a movie and they click. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a tough one. <sighs> oh, it's been a while since we've had to put this 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 um... old flip of the coin. Do you know what I nearly done, but I don't want to do it because I know that the viewers of Rushmore will do it to wind us up. There's a part of me that nearly says put Sean and the Dead in. It'll do great. That's the part that will kill me. Yeah, go for the don't go for the go for the go for the coin. Do you have a coin? coin. Oh, I do actually. <laughs> Look at you. I'm just nice. terrible at flicking a coin, but we'll do it. Right. Um so we're between American Werewolf and The Prestige, yeah? Yeah. Well, heads for The Prestige, tails, because werewolves have tails. That's the best I could do with that. So, here we go. Heads? Yeah, heads. So, The Prestige goes. Okay. Yes, does this. Official silver screen coin. Yeah. Yeah, there is there is a Google one, but I didn't want to start promoting Google right now. <laughs> <laughs> the prestige. Okay. All right. 
Ladies and gentlemen, the official movie Mount Rushmore of movies set in London in no particular order is A Long Good Friday. Our second entry is The Prestige. Our third entry is Love Actually. Our final entry into the movie Mount Rushmore of movies set in London is the the incomparable snatch. Such it a really movie. is the such a good movie. I may go watch it now just for shiggles. <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't blame you. It's tempted. It's very tempting. Um, but all right, guys, that has done it for another installment of the Movie Mount Rushmore podcast. Please, if you are watching us on our YouTube channel, do be sure to uh, check out our other content. We upload videos daily, throwback Thursdays, movie reviews, movie news shows. We've got it all going on on our channel. And thank you so much to all of you for helping us grow. Um, and if you are not following us on other platforms, you're also available on TikTok and uh, Instagram. So check us out there. But otherwise, you can catch this uh, podcast as a podcast as opposed to a video on uh, all podcast platforms spotify apple Podcasts, yada 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 we're everywhere so uh until next week i am nicolero i'm the one aj anthony jordan and we will catch you guys next week for the next top 10 which will be with a special guest we hope we hope don't do us dirty now seamus that's all we're gonna say with a special guest next week right here on movie matt rushmore we'll see you guys then see ya, see ya.